Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of $15,178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. Straight away to the Minister for Public Expenditure and Reform, uh, Michael McGrath. Good morning, Michael. Good morning to you, PJ. And welcome to the Opinion Line. Minister, you, you sit on the COVID committee, the subcommittee of Cabinet. So my straightforward first question to you is, did Neffet give its blessing to all of this plan? So maybe just to start by explaining how, how it works, PJ, we uh, on that committee meet with uh, Neffet and the Vaccination Task Force and the HSC on a regular basis. So on Friday of last week, uh, they would have met with us and they would all have made presentations uh, to give the latest situation in our hospitals with the vaccination programme uh, from Neffet's perspective on the modelling and so on in relation to the, uh, the trajectory of the virus as they see it. And And we would ask them a lot of questions and there would be a good discussion over a number of hours, uh, as there was. And then uh, we, as the politicians uh, in government, uh, would have held our own discussions then privately, reflected on everything that we heard uh, and we would have made decisions. So I think the best way to describe it is that the the Neffet advice um, has certainly provided the guidance Mm. uh, for the decisions that we have made. But it's not that we... Uh, arrive at our decisions and then present them to Neffet and look for the green light. No, but but would you you put it on the table at any point? Well, look, here's what we plan to do. What's your advice? Yes, in the course of the discussions, we would put scenarios to them. We would say, what about doing this uh, on this date? What about uh, moving at a different speed? What about these restrictions? Can we have a fresh look at those? And if you look at the the letter that was issued uh, by Dr. Tony Houlihan to Minister Donnelly on the 25th of August, that forms the basis really of the decisions that we have now made. Uh, It's a a long letter, as they tend to be, Mm. uh, 21 pages long, and it contains the latest modelling information uh, and so on. And an effort in that letter they're they're not very specific in relation to individual measures on individual dates mm-hmm. what they do is they set out the criteria that they believe would need to be met uh, to allow for the easing of restrictions and then it's a matter for judgment you know mm-hmm. this isn't an exact science uh, government has to take on board their views and make the ultimate decision as the elected government of the country because i don't need to remind you minister they have been ignored at our peril in the past well, I think we've had a, a very good relationship with Neffet right through uh, the pandemic over the last 18 months. But 
uh, of course, at different uh, times in that process, you know, we, we may well have disagreed with them. Uh, we may well have felt that they were going uh, too slowly or perhaps at times they surprised us by moving quite quickly. Uh, but in in the main, uh, the, the actions and decisions that the government has made uh, since March of last year have been guided and influenced by an effort. Uh, mm-hmm. But we are the elected government. It does fall on us ultimately to make uh, the decisions in the democracy um, that we uh, we operate within. And I, I think Neffet are comfortable with the decisions uh, that we have made. And uh, if they weren't, I think you'd uh, you'd hear that pretty quickly. Okay, so pretty much everything gone by the twenty second of October. Bar, as I said in the introduction there, masks on buses and trains, we'll be doing that for a long time. Masks at the shops, we'll probably be doing that for a long time. We know that when the next set of, with the, with the fig, we know the figures are going to go up in the next couple of weeks, the daily figures, because yeah. of schools and the inevitable uh, consequence of a million extra people moving around every morning and evening. Now, CUH is at the highest level of overcrowding since the start of the pandemic, Minister. Are we taking a big risk moving so quickly with that crisis in our major hospital here in Cork? What we're doing is not risk-free. Uh, that is, is certainly the case. Uh, you know, there is uncertainty running right through our experience of dealing with this pandemic. But we are at a point now where we have an incredibly high level of vaccination, uh, approaching 90% of uh, people uh, age 12 and over, uh, which I think is remarkable and is really a, a testament to the Irish public mm. and also to our, our health service and those involved in, in that program. And it is affording a high degree of protection. But you are right in pointing out that the models do show, and we have been very upfront about this, that case numbers are likely to rise further. And the peak of this uh, will not happen for a number of weeks yet. But in parallel with that... Would it have been better then to wait until we had hit the peak before releasing this plan or, or beginning this plan? Would it not have been better to wait until someone like Professor Nolan or Dr. Houlihan had said, okay, we're now through the peak. Would that have not been wiser to wait? Well, the the, the key test that they set for uh, allowing for the, the easing of restrictions uh, is reaching 90% coverage of uh, the vaccination for 16-year-olds and up. Mm. And we are on the cusp of achieving that. Uh, we believe that we will be there or as close to but there that, as that's makes one no metric, Minister, and that's great so. to see. It's one metric and it's yeah. great to see. And, and to be fair, I, I don't think it would be fair of anyone to say that the vaccination rollout has been anything other than a success. Yeah. And, and, and I had my doubts about it at the start and I voiced them here in this programme. I think it's been a remarkable job up and down the country but that's not the metric I asked you about the metric I asked you about is for someone like Dr. Dr. Holohan or Professor Nolan to say well we're now through the peak would, we not, would, it, would it not have been wiser to wait for that moment well we've based the decision on their projections of uh, when we'll reach the peak 
and how we will then come off the peak. And, and when do they say we'll reach the peak? Fall ahead of that. So it is likely to be uh, in October, uh, early to mid-October. It may happen earlier. There are different models. It isn't an exact science. And they've set out a range of different scenarios. And people will see in the tweets from Philip Nolan, he's gone through uh, the modelling scenarios that are yes, there. Yes. And we do so we acknowledge that the case numbers are likely to rise, even though the date in the last number of days mm. you know, has been... So, so we are taking a chance here, Minister. We are taking a chance in that you've got the two metrics. One is the number of people vaccinated and we're flying at that and great. The other one is the peak. We're nowhere even near the peak if, if, if they're saying mid-October. So should we not just have waited another few weeks? Well, the truth is, uh, PJ, that nobody knows for sure. And, you know, models are what they are. They are limited by the assumptions that they make and the factors that um, uh, underpin them. And, you know, the, the truth is there is probably never going to be a perfect time. And we have made the decision based on uh, our assessment of where we're at with the vaccination program, how we expect this virus to impact on the hospital system in the next number of weeks. We are upfront that it is not risk free. Uh, there are certainly risks here. The pandemic is not over. It is won't there a handbrake the here? Second of October. Well, the government will always reserve the right to, to change course and, you know, protecting public health as best we can is always going to be the number one priority. But we also have to recognise we're 18 months into this and there are sectors of the economy that have not functioned uh, properly mm. over that time. Many of them have been fully shut uh, over that time. And and you have heard the debates and you've had them on your own show Indeed. from the arts, culture, entertainment sector. And, you know, they are crying out to be given an opportunity to yes. trade. But I would make the point that what we're doing here is is graduated and that's the same approach we've taken right the way through so you know we have on the 6th the certain 6th of september a certain uh, set of restrictions eased at you know 60 percent capacity indoor yeah. uh, at theaters and so on for vaccine no, i don't think people. anybody is arguing and, and about the fact that, that these are welcome no, moves no one's arguing about uh, yeah the fact and, and, and like Netflix are very comfortable with that they're, okay. they're very comfortable okay. with having a significant number of people who are vaccinated indoors uh, and then on the 20th you know the, the changes there that are so important for for, for children and adults who play indoor sports or, you know, dance classes and exercise classes and so on. These things are really important for people's quality of life and mental health. And one of the issues that I think has influenced us uh, in recent times has been the evidence uh, from Paul Reid as head of the HSE, where he has told us that there yeah. is an increasing incidence of people presenting with mental health difficulties sure. and, and eating sure. disorders sure. 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 in the last sure. number of weeks sure. and months. So and, we, and that, and we do have to take that into we do, account. We do, but we, are, we, are we also not taking into account, or should we take into account the fact that A&E is almost at capacity before we anywhere, go anywhere near the peak of, of, of this, this wave? But that's, we'll, we'll, we'll leave that one there and move on to what happens when everything works out, and that is the return to work for people. Um, Leo Bradker was saying last night, Minister, that you kind of don't have a choice. If your boss wants you back, then you got to go back. Even if you have been doing your work very successfully from home for the last 12 to 18 months, if he wants you back, you got to go back. How is that fair? Well, first of all, we're not expecting that there will be any big bang return to work. What we're saying is that from the 20th of September, 
that uh, the return to, to, to the office and the office isn't the place of work for everyone, but for some people it is, that it will it will happen uh, on a phased basis. What we will do now is we will uh, engage directly with uh, the trade unions and with employers uh, through uh, a forum that we have uh, where we meet them regularly uh, on the detail of that and we will update the, the work safety protocol and tease out with them exactly how this will work. I think we'll see a blended form of work for many people. Mm. I don't believe we're going all the way back to where we were. People won't have a right to it, which is what Minister Radcar was saying last night. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. There, 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 there is no legal right to it if you have a contract of employment which specifies your place of work is at the office uh, then you know if you if you bring it down to brass tacks uh, unless there is a public health rule saying that uh, you shouldn't go to work then the employer can mm. uh, require you to, to attend but, but minister if you've been doing your true. job if you've been doing your job successfully and well and completing your tasks successfully and well for your boss for the last 18 months from the kitchen table or from the spare bedroom why should you have to face the prospect of being dragged back into the workplace when you're doing your job perfectly well from home well once public health restrictions ease i don't think it is the role of government to dictate where um, people's individual uh, employment would would take place where their work would be done but what we do expect is that employers will uh, cooperate with employees. We have heard from many employers at this stage that they are going to pursue a blended form of working, certainly in the public service and the civil service, which uh, which I have responsibility for. Uh, that is the model that we will be uh, moving towards. Right. And we're consulting with the unions on that. People will be uh, able to uh, uh, have a blended form of work where some of their working week will be at home or at a remote working home. We recognise the benefits of that, but the government can't come in and dictate to private employers that you must allow somebody to work from home if their contract of employment says that their place of work is uh, is in the office. Okay. So we are going to have to work our way through this, and uh, we have a short number of weeks now to do that, and, uh, and we'll engage directly now with the unions and the employers on the detail of it. In terms of public expenditure, uh, which is your direct remit, a lot of people will lose their PUP or their PUP will be cut over the weeks to come without them necessarily having returned to work. Is that fair? 
Well, I think we have to recognise that, you know, the government, I think, has been really fair to, to people by and large and rightly so, because people who lost their job, uh, you know, did so through no fault of their own whatsoever. And uh, about 800,000 people at some point in the last 18 months uh, were on the PUP for uh, some period of time. Uh, at the peak, we had 600,000 people on it. It's now less than 150,000 and it's, it's falling all the time. I think we also have to accept that there are staff shortages in large parts of our economy and we were seeing it in Cork uh, PJ in different sectors where businesses are having to restrict their hours of trade because they can't get staff so the, the changes uh, will start from uh, the 7th of September that will impact on people's payment for, from the following week onwards, the 14th uh, onwards, it is being done uh, in three steps but we have built in some additional flexibilities mm. people who are self-employed and who are on the PUP, if they come off it, they will get an enterprise support grant of a thousand euro even if they already got that earlier in the process and we have what I think is a really important uh, flexibility that people who uh, are earning uh, up to 120 euro a week from work uh, can over an eight week period earn about 960 euro and still keep their PUP so this is about about balance we've paid out eight and a half billion euro on the PUP uh, since March of 2020 it was the right thing to do but as our economy is opening up as the restrictions are eased, as labour shortages are presenting, uh, I think we do need to make this change and it will be done in a gradual way over the next number of months okay. starting uh, from the 7th of September. Could it be that one of the reasons for those labour shortages is that a lot of people are now realising how badly they're actually paid and that going back to work won't pay them? <laughs> I think that is, uh, is certainly a factor. We are seeing labour shortages, you know, throughout uh, large parts of the developed world and in certain sectors. And I think it is true to say that for, you know, uh, for many people, um, you know, there, there, there have been some positives from COVID in, in relation to lifestyle and, you know, being able to spend more time uh, in your own community, in your own home, with your own family, being able to, to exercise and uh, and get outdoors more. So I think a lot of people have probably had a change of mindset uh, and may not want to go back to their old job and their old career. Uh, and I think that is certainly uh, a factor. And we do need to consider that I- into the future. But the truth is that right now, we do have in retail, in hospitality, in the care sector, in construction, we have labour shortages. Okay. So it does then raise the question, should we continue to pay some people €350 Euro a week, while other people uh, who lost their job immediately before the pandemic are on €203 Euro per week? There is a real question of fairness there as well. Okay. Two last ones for you, Minister. First of all, it's on schools. Um, and people are wondering, we, 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 we read... Uh, earlier in the week that Neffert and Hikwa were discussing the possibility of mandatory masks for under 12, children under 12. Where are we going with that or do you know? My understanding is that, that HICWA have provided advice to NEFIT. Uh, they've looked into it and they have concluded that uh, that we should not do it. Uh, and NEFIT now will report to the Minister for Health. So is um, it off the it, table then? I, 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 I don't see it happening. Uh, I wouldn't be comfortable with it, I have to say. Yeah, so you, you've got what? I think, you've got some kids going to school yourself. Would you be comfortable I with do. your with your smallies wearing masks? 
I think it would be really difficult for them. I mean, secondary school children uh, are, are doing it, as you know, and it's not easy to have a mask on all day. And look, of course, many people are doing it in their workplace, including teachers all day. Um, but it is harder for, for kids generally. Mm. And uh, it's something so, I wouldn't so like you, to see you, happen. You don't necessarily, we're, we're, you don't see it happening based on what Hikwa has I, come back with. I, I, I don't see it happening. Okay. I mean, we're, we're, we're at a stage in all of this where we're easing restrictions. I mean, that would be a major change to turn around and, and uh, require children in primary school for, you know, six okay. hours a day or whatever to wear a mask. When will kids I, be allowed to have lockers then? When will they, is it? Yeah, because they're not allowed lockers in a lot of places yet. Uh, I, I mean, I think that the truth is that once we get over the 22nd of October, you will see uh, all of these kinds of issues being reviewed and, you know, all going well. Uh, we will be heading back towards towards okay. a new normal. Some things will be different. We will still be wearing masks, as you said earlier, in public transport, uh, in our shops and healthcare settings and so on. For how but long might that just, be? Uh, I think that will be for probably many months further. I think we do have to strike a note of caution. And if you just allow me to just make the point to people that while we're easing restrictions, it by no means means that, that all of this is over. The virus isn't going away. We are moving now towards living with this mm -hmm. because 90% of people or so are vaccinated, more than 90% of people uh, in Cork. Uh, but uh, it, it is still a dangerous virus and we are all going to have to now just exercise personal responsibility okay. as so many people have been doing since March of last year uh, but the, the threat and the risk is still there and I think people will make their own decisions uh, in their own lives n knowing so much more as we do now compared to a year and a half ago about how this virus works and um, I think we're, we're moving to a new phase but okay. but it, it isn't over but I think people are getting a lot of freedoms back and, yeah. and we trust people we trust people to uh, to act responsibly as in the main the overwhelming majority of people have, have, had, have done so right from the beginning. Lastly and you and Pascal Donoghue will sit down over the next few weeks to finalise the budget and that will be presented in early October, Minister. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of debt as a result of this and we know what happened the last time that the country had a lot of debt as a result of a crisis. We know what happened, austerity, extra taxes, USCs, all that kind of thing. Are we facing down the barrel of another bout of austerity to get us out of this? I don't believe so. I think you don't believe we, so or we're not? Uh, we're not. Uh, we do have to manage the public finances sensibly. Uh, the budget will be produced in uh, six weeks' time on the 12th of October. But we did in July get approval from government for a really important document uh, which sets out out to 2025 what uh, the plans are for the Irish economy for the management of the public finances and we can make sensible decisions here that will still have uh, moderate expenditure growth so we can avoid anything like the kind of decisions that had to be made after the last crisis uh, of a decade mm. uh, ago or so uh, but it does mean that the exceptional covid emergency spending is going to have to be unwound and like sure. we spoke about one and, of those and, decisions and paid earlier for, on. And paid for, so taxes and cutbacks off the table or should we expect them? 
extra but, taxes I mean, and cutbacks. Go, government will always keep its options open uh, coming up to, to budget time, but they're, uh, we're not heading towards austerity. Like while our national debt has uh, increased and will continue to increase further, uh, we are benefiting from an environment uh, in the markets mm-hmm. and the role of the European Central Bank has been important. We can borrow at historic low interest rates. We have availed of uh, long maturities. We have refinanced a large amount of debt. So we don't face any major refinancing cliffs in the next number of years. So even though our debt has uh, risen, the cost of servicing that, the amount we're paying out in interest is actually falling. Okay. Now that won't last forever. Yeah. And that's why we have to close the budget deficit. And the plan that we agreed in July shows how we will do that and reduce our budget deficit from, let's say, around 5% of, of economic output last year uh, to uh, over 1% by 2024, 2025. We have the plan to do that. We can do that without auster- austerity, but it does mean unwinding that exceptional expenditure. If we keep that going, then we have to raise revenues to pay for it. So that's why these decisions are important. Okay. Look forward to speaking with you around budget time. Uh, Minister Mike thank you for being with us this morning uh, to discuss the latest reopening plan. Minister for Public Expenditure and Reform and a member of the COVID Committee of Cabinet, uh, Michael McGrath. Courts 96 FM.